Whether the action is at the link or the bank, there's never an off day on Broad Street. It's the biggest news of the day, every day, with takes from someone who's never short on them. It's WIP Daily with Joe Giglio. Welcome on in. WIP Daily. Joe Giglio with you. Appreciate everyone listening, subscribing, following the podcast. Of course, our YouTube page, 94 WIP. Check it out. There are a ton of content up. You can check out interview we did on the Midday Show with Patrick Willis last week, former great linebacker in the NFL, future Hall of Famer, and of course played under Vic Fangio in San Francisco. Check it out there and subscribe to all the channels for the best of the WIP podcast and on-air stuff. So today I want to get into something that I, I really find fascinating and I actually want to spin it to Nick Sirianni and the Eagles. And that, of course, is Dan Campbell and, and the way he coached this season, the way he's coached in Detroit, and the way he coached Sunday night in the NFC Championship game. And it's it's open season on Dan Campbell right now. Meathead, idiot, you know, just play the game the right way, do it the old school way, all that kind of stuff. And I don't subscribe to it. And I don't believe Dan Campbell is the reason the Lions are not going to the Super Bowl. In fact, I believe Dan Campbell's a big part of the reason the Lions almost made the Super Bowl because his foot is on the gas almost every time. And that's how the Lions went from bad to good over the last three seasons. And when I think about Sunday night and I think about how the Lions lost that game, they lost that game because of a Jameer Gibbs fumble. They lost that game because a defensive back had the ball bounce off his chest instead of an interception. It turned into a 50-yard pass and in your touchdown for the San Francisco 49ers. They lost because Josh Reynolds couldn't catch the football. They lost because, uh, you know, without a perfect pocket, Jared Goff showed his flaws and was flushed twice by Nick Bosa on fourth downs and did not set his feet to throw the football and couldn't handle completions. That's why they lost the football game. Not because Dan Campbell went for a pair of fourth downs and not because... He ran the ball instead of threw it, you know, near the goal line with about a minute to go. Now, that last one, I did criticize before. I think you got to throw every time there because you have to give yourself all three timeouts. But can we be real? If the 49ers needed to convert a first down to win that football game, which would have been the scenario if the Lions had had all three timeouts. Did you watch the second half? Do you think the 49ers were not going to convert a first down? By hook or by crook? Uh, I don't. They were going to convert a first down. The game effectively ended well before that. And as I think about Dan Campbell, what he did, I think that we have a thing as sports fans, usually in baseball, because baseball is a very pause the moment, make a decision, restart the moment, see what happens kind of sport. Pinch hitter, pinch runner, pitching decision, leave a guy in, take him out, batting order. It's very... You know, baseball is a sport where you can see the decision in real time, compartmentalize what you think about it real time, watch it play out real time, and then react off of what happens. It, it, that's the sport it is. Throw a fastball, throw a curveball. Any, it, it's just a game of decisions. It's a game of chess, back and forth, back and forth, all game. Basketball is free-flowing, very, very quick. There's very few in-game decisions that are made. I mean, sure, you could take a guy out. He's got two fouls or leave him in or that kind of stuff. And there's some strategy very late in the game. But it's usually very quick, and it's more big picture, and it's more players decided than coaches. Football, you know, there are a few plays, the fourth down decisions, that the coach will get serious flack for if, if it goes wrong. And that's what Dan Campbell put him out there, himself out there and did on Sunday night. 
And as I watched it play out, I loved it. I loved it for a couple of reasons. One, it's who the Lions are. Two, it's fearless. I don't think it's reckless. I think it's fearless. And number three, it takes everything into account. And I think when you watch it play out, what happened with Campbell on Sunday, there is a, there's almost an absence of, of, a, of, a, of taking into account the other side of the decision. I keep hearing, take the points, take the points, as if the points were guaranteed. It's not the way it works in football. You got to make the field goal. You have to put the ball through the uprights using the kicker to get those three points. You know, taking the points, the way we, we say that, almost implies the three points are there. You can just have them and you have to give them back if you choose to go for the fourth down. I think of that and I think that logic tends to apply with two-point conversions. You know, extra points are made at a very, very high rate. A, you know, an almost, an, almost an automatic. It used to be automatic before they pushed it back a little bit. Now it's, it's not quite as automatic, but it's a very high rate. You are very, very likely taking the single point off the board, the extra point off the board, to go for two when you do that. That is, that is a fact. That, that is very, very true. That is not the case when you are talking about field goals over 40 yards for a bad kicker. It's, it's the most, you know, we do this as, as fans, we do it as talk show hosts, we do it as, we leave a little part of the story out be, to accentuate our take, to accentuate our point. We all do it. You kind of just leave one little thing out. If you don't like Brock Purdy, you bring up things like his arm. You bring up things like his draft status. You bring things up like his supporting cast. And you bring up, you know, the bad moments. And you leave out that off-platform throw he made to Jennings or the play he made to Huszczyk or the running he did in the game. Like, you leave little things out to accentuate your side of the argument. And what's being left out of the Dan Campbell discussion the last couple days that I find just crazy is that the kicker stinks. The kicker stinks, and this is what the Lions did anyway. So let's just let's play this out, okay? Michael Badgley, the kicker for the Lions. He was signed off the practice squad in December after they waived Riley Patterson. So they're on, they're on a backup kicker, okay? They didn't ask him in the regular season to attempt a kick longer than 41 yards. Okay? He did make a 54-yarder against the Rams in a dome in the playoffs, okay? He entered Sunday 13 of 24 in his career from 45 to 50 yards. That's not a good percentage. Including 8 of 16 outdoors. Okay, so the one that everyone's losing their mind about, about Campbell not going for the tie, not taking the points and tying the game in the fourth quarter with this kicker that is a 50-50 proposition. Outdoors, 45 to 50 yards. That is a 50% kick for Michael Badgley. By the way, this season, the Lions went for it on fourth and three or less in plus territory. 20 times in 24 opportunities, and they converted on 17 of 20, 15 of 18 in the regular season, two of two in the playoffs. So we're talking about a team that was 20 of 24 doing it this year in that same situation and a kicker 50%. You tell me what's the higher percentage there. If you're Dan Campbell, if you're in his shoes and you've got that kicker, you're outdoors and you've got this offensive line, these weapons, what is the higher percentage play? I would say put my offense in the field. I've got a better chance to do it this way. It didn't work. It didn't work. But I love that he played the percentages. I love that he trusted his gut. I love that he backed his guys. I love that he didn't put it in the hands of a very fragile kicker that has not done much in the NFL. I love it all. 
I love it all. And in fact, I think back to last year's Super Bowl, and I'd rather have a coach like Dan Campbell do what he did and put himself out there and try it that way and trust his guys and trust his quarterback. It didn't work, but he trusted them. I'd rather that than what we saw in last year's Super Bowl with Nick Sirianni turtling up in the second half, kicking a field goal in the second half in a game you needed more points to win. And I would rather have Dan Campbell than an Eagles team that last year in the fourth quarter on fourth and two punted back to Patrick Mahomes because Campbell doesn't go for that field goal and Campbell doesn't go for that punt. No way, no how after watching him now. No way, no how. So as we move forward in the Nick Sirianni era with the Eagles, I want it to be more like Dan Campbell because I I think that is when you are facing excellence and when you get this far in the playoffs, you are almost always facing excellence and you're always, almost always facing high-powered, high-octane offenses that can score as many points as they have to to win a game. And we saw that play out. San Francisco reminds me offensively of the dynastic Warriors. We'll keep it in the Bay Area. They remind me of the Warriors back in the day to where, you know, there, there used to be games. The Rockets did into the playoffs, and that was the Spurs, the Thunder, whoever they were playing in the playoffs at a particular year, the Blazers. They would have them, right? They, were, they would think they'd have them. They'd be up on them 15, 18 points, second quarter, third quarter, and then the barrage would hit. And then it's like the Warriors would play six or seven lockdown defensive possessions and they would make seven of ten threes. And you'd wake, you know, you'd look up and you're like, oh my goodness, it's tied. Oh my goodness, it's tied. We, we were just up 18 points and they just bombs away for the past four minutes and they've made seven or eight threes. And then it's a runaway train. And that was the 49ers in that third quarter. It's a runaway train. They were a runaway train offensively, and Campbell's watching the same game we are. He realizes his defense is in a very difficult spot against one of the better offenses we've seen in a long time, especially when you factor in that they're not quarterbacked by a guy that we consider elite at this point of his career. It's not like he's making these plays all by himself, so you, you, know, you kind of keep him in structure and maybe you'll shut down the other guys. No, it's, it's, just, it's just star after star out there between Kittle and Ayuk and Samuel. You can't stop these guys, and obviously Christian McCaffrey. They are that good. They are unstoppable at times. That's how good that offense could be. So the Lions were in a situation where they realized they were against an unstoppable force. They had to take, they had a use force to take back the game that they had blown. And Campbell tried to do it. It didn't work. It's not Dan Campbell's fault Josh Reynolds can't catch. It's not Dan Campbell's fault that Goff has moved off his spot. It's not Dan Campbell's fault that Jameer Gibbs fumbled or Vildor couldn't catch the interception. I mean, those two plays, if you ask me right now, what's the two plays that lost the Lions in the NFC Championship game? It's the Vildor dropped pick and it's the Jameer Gibbs fumble. I mean, those are 14 points. Forget the six that you want that you assume will go in. I think the, the likelihood is one of the two field goals would have went in. But forget it, okay? Forget that. That's six points that you, that you ripping Dan Campbell, think he should have put on the board. Again, assuming both kicks go in. I'm talking about 14 points that certainly changed that football game with the Gibbs fumble and, and the Vildor dropped interception that went into Ayuk's hands. The other part of Campbell that I think, you know, here in Philadelphia, Sirianni can, can actually benefit taking a page from him. I, I, I think what happened in that title game and what will be the story of this offseason leading into next year with the Lions and obviously their first playoff game next year, and I do believe they'll make the playoffs next season again. They're a very, very solidly built young team with a smart general manager, uh, a good quarterback, good coach. Ben Johnson, if he does leave, that will hurt. But I think they'll find a way to 
to overcome that and at least be good. We'll see if the rise dynamic. But the one thing I, I noticed in the discourse yesterday into the rest of this offseason, I think it will it'll manifest itself and, and permeate into next year, is it's all about Dan Campbell right now. That's all anyone's talking about. He's taking all of the heat. There's no heat on Vildor for the dropped interception. There's very little heat on Josh Reynolds for the drops. And most particularly, and probably most importantly, there's very little heat on Jameer Gibbs for a crushing fumble. A crushing fumble for a very gifted, very talented, and I think at one point in the next few years, he could be the best running back in the sport in Jameer Gibbs. You know, if McCaffrey at some point dips here, maybe injury creeps back in or just, you know, hits a little bit of a wall, like most great players, you know, do after a, lot, a certain number of carries, uh, Gibbs could take that throw. That's how good he is. But he had a back-breaking fumble, and no one's talking about it. This is all about Dan Campbell. He will take all the heat. And I think in Philadelphia, you know, Sirianni's taking a lot of heat, but if you put yourself out there and you be the, the lead story in terms of decision-making and you are aggressive and you're the right side of the math and all that kind of stuff, I'll forgive it, number one, like I'm forgiving it with Campbell. And number two, you can take some pressure off your players because those players are not getting roasted now. They're not. Campbell's getting roasted. He's taking the form. I think a good coach, a great coach, takes the bullets for his players. He's the one. And it happened here in Philadelphia. I mean, Andy Reid took it. And, and, you know, for a long time, Andy Reid was the guy that was the polarizing figure. Put it on him. Put it on him. And everyone in Philadelphia, for the most part, and Donovan got some. The quarterback's always going to get some in Philadelphia, but put it on him. I, I think there's a benefit to that, having a strong-willed head coach that is unafraid to take big risks. If they work out, everyone benefits because the team wins. If they don't, he shoulders it. And Campbell will shoulder the blame for most of this. But as I watched that game, you know, from a football fan perspective, from a talk show perspective, it was awesome. And, and I, I think Campbell makes the game more fun. It's like I, I couldn't get my eyes off the screen. I couldn't walk away to get a drink because it's four down. And you're thinking, all right, you know, in most cases, the field goal unit might come out there, probably comes out there like, oh, my goodness, he's leaving golf on the field. The, the offense is still on the field. It's like this buzz watching the game. I loved it. I thought Sirianni turtled up in the Super Bowl. I thought Campbell was ultra-aggressive in the title game. I'd rather ultra-aggressive. I'd rather foot on the gas in a big game, especially when you have some inferiority. I mean, the, the Lions were inferior to the, the 49ers, man for man. They're just not quite as talented. They were seven-and-a-half-point underdogs for a reason. So you got to push it. you got to push the envelope. And I thought Campbell did it. Sirianni last year didn't do it in the Super Bowl. And... As I, as I walk away from this season, I want Sirianni to be more like Dan Campbell. Like I, I, I want him to coach more like Dan Campbell. I would love that. And I think it would be great for the Philadelphia Eagles. So I appreciate everyone listening, subscribing, following the podcast. Uh, don't forget, 94WIP, check it out on YouTube, our video feed there, and, of course, all of the content on WIP Daily. A lot to do in the next few weeks. We head towards February, spring training not far away. Iceland and the Phillies have to make some good moves here. They're not ready to go win a championship as is right now. Sixers, big decision to make about a week to the trade deadline. They do not look like a team, for me, that is worth mortgaging the future for. We'll discuss it all. Appreciate everyone listening, subscribing, and following WIP Daily.